The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A new memoir by retired Major General Dave Fraser sets down in detail for the first time his take on a pivotal pivotal battle of Afghans of Canada's Afghan war. Fraser uh, commanded NATO forces in southern Afghanistan during Operation Medusa, which took place over 17 days in September of 2006. Operation Medusa, the furious battle that saved Afghanistan from the Taliban, paints a vivid picture of what happened in the war-torn country at that time. Retired General Fraser joins us now. Welcome back to Edmonton. You have uh, quite a bit of history here. Uh, I, I got to tell you, it's just great to be back here because, uh, you know, I'm a Patricia, you know, my regiment and uh, our battalions are here. I've served here as the brigade commander. I've served here as the chief of staff for the uh, reserves. And it's just, and being in Wainwright, it's just, I love this province. I'm curious to know, we'll get into a lot of it uh, about this book, but why did you feel the need to write the book? Well, this is a book that I've always wanted to write, but uh, the conditions weren't right to to you know sit down and do it. Uh, it's a painful book. It's an emotional book. There's an awful lot in it. But um, I met a great publisher, uh, Doug Pepper from Penguin Random House, great co-author, Brian Hannington. Between the two of them, it, it was just everything clicked. The other thing, too, there was enough time between the incident, uh, the operation, that I could sit down with David Richards, my boss, Ben Frankly, my American boss, my Canadian boss, uh, Michel Gauthier, and we all had time to reflect to figure out what actually happened back then, why did things happen, and what could we learn. And this is actually a compendium to everything that's out that's been written out there by Christy Blatchford, mm-hmm. Chris Waddy, and you know the Americans, and it actually adds... The, you know that level above what the soldiers actually experienced that actually affected them and it's an important piece of our history so for those listeners who don't know and i include myself in this group why can you give us a, a nutshell an overview of medusa what why was this an important battle what was it well operation medusa happened in uh, september of 06 12 years ago and it was perhaps the pivotal point of the mission up until that point in time where the Taliban changed the behavior. They put 500 fighters, their top 10 commanders from all the provinces in Afghanistan, including Pakistan. Uh, we had national caveats. We had political constraints on us. This was a battle that we should have lost. This was a battle that could have actually brought down minority governments. It could have actually adversely affected our nation's reputation as you know supporters. It could have adversely affected NATO. Um, we shouldn't have won, but we did. The size and the scope of it, um, you know, you start you start looking at, you know, when you add in and you add in, you add in, there was thousands involved on, on the NATO side. It, it The scope was off the scale. We never went to Afghanistan ever expecting to fight a battle like this. Uh, the Americans never went in to expect to fight a battle like this. Uh, this was out of the Cold War, and we were in a nation-building uh, mm-hmm. m- mission uh, fighting a, an insurgency, but not to fight a prepared defensive position like this. Uh, no one ever anticipated the political constraints that NATO actually, you know, we exposed the weaknesses of NATO when we got in there. Uh, Canada, this could have been Canada's Trevinitsa. 
And that was the big concern that all of us had. And, you know, it, it fell on the shoulders of the men and women, uh, of those Canadians who were fighting every day, you know, but they, they persevered and did it. But the, the, the scale and the, and the, and the potential consequences, and again, our relationship with the Muslim nation called Afghanistan, had we failed in their time of need, had we failed, you know, yet again in the international community helping out Afghanistan where they got a really bad record of, you know, international guys coming in, not going good. And what would it have meant to every other Muslim nation around the world that had ever asked the international community to come and help them? Had we failed then? It probably wouldn't have looked anywhere what it looks like today. You know, you surprised me even in that answer because I remember those days back then. And to me, uh, you just mentioned tank commanders, for example. So I thought of the Taliban when I first heard of them as a small group of thugs, basically. I thought, I, I didn't even think of them as an army. So did Canada go into that thinking of them as <laughs> a group of thugs or did you know what you were up against? I came out of the United States having worked with Northern Command and talking to the DEA about how they were dealing with, you know, drug lords in, in South America and whatnot, because back then, you know, the drug industry in Afghanistan was a $3 billion a year enterprise. I mean, it's big business. Hmm. And the Taliban were kind of like the strong man and the thugs, as Rick Haley said, they, they were thugs. But the hierarchy inside the Taliban, smart. Okay, the guys who were in Islamabad and, and the and the uh, you know the headquarters that was inside of Pakistan, they weren't thugs. They were intellectually driven ideologues who actually knew what they were doing, had a strategy, understood information operations, uh, and they were just using brute force and terror and just an economic fight. And this was an economic fight using men and women who had no hope and opportunity saying, I'll pay you $25 a day to go and work for me. Your life, expand, your life expectancy is now measured in days and hours. Or you could work for the government of Afghanistan for $2 a day and you could live for 20 or 30 years. Where are you going to go? Um, it was an economic thing. And they also walked in and they go into the refugee camps and they would go grab people who had being downtrodden and then they give them some cockamamie story that if you become a martyr you're going to go and you're going to smell some uh you know you know some perfume and you know everything's going to be good if you blow yourself up and we'll pay your family i mean that is just you know it's just incredible the brainwashing that they were doing all the days and so that's who we're facing but you're a well-trained nato is a well uh, comprises of many well-trained forces canada included but what you're describing is an enemy that you know anybody could volunteer to be in so what what made them tough to defeat then well first of all um they didn't abide by any rules that we we abide by i mean we have values ethics law you know civil laws criminal laws all that applies to us they don't apply they don't do anything and they would intimidate they would kill they would kidnap they would do whatever they needed to, to so they came in and they just intimidated the and scared the population. Uh, the other thing too is this was their ground. So they knew everything backwards and forwards, and you know, and and they could blend into the countryside. Uh, I don't quite blend into the countryside, okay? Uh, as much as I'd like to go anywhere, you know, wherever I went with my big green vehicles that were kind of dusty, they knew where we were coming, and, you know, this wasn't, you know, our backyard. It was their backyard. I think hmm. one of the things that um, when you read the book, and I had told you, I said the, the, the brutal honesty in this book, I want to get back to the Taliban in a second. I was surprised when I read it because I, I just was. I, I was surprised that you were putting it down on paper and 
and and I think that the spotlight on Canadians going into this at this point and pretty much saying, you know, we're over overwhelmed, really not ready because we hadn't been in combat since the Korean War. And and you put it down on paper and I think that's the first time that that I read that anywhere. We just thought here we go. Here we go. And I think as Canadians you know, maybe some people thought, and maybe it was in Ottawa, there was concern there, but I've not seen a, a major general be that brutally honest about it. Well, Brian and I wanted to write a story about the men and women, and this is not a story about Dave Fraser. This is a story about all the men and women who were there and what they actually faced. And not to candy coat anything, nothing about Medusa was perfect. It was the ugliest thing that I'd ever seen. We weren't even launched, and we were having issues with... Yeah. Airplanes crashing with 12 people on board, all killed. I just met Andrew Lucey just earlier today who actually had to go out there. His first mission was to secure the crash site. I mean, just a devastating scene. Um, the national caveats. Uh, this was but ugly. And, you know, we had not been in combat since Korea. Americans had no confidence that we were able to do combat. Uh, one RCR, the you know, the 1st Battalion Royal Canadian Regiment, who came in, had no opportunity to get any softball combat missions under their belt. The first one they do is the biggest battle that NATO's ever fought, hmm. the biggest battle that Canada's ever fought since Korea, and it was like, Omer, there you go, you're, you're, you're on the you're on the pitching field. It's the World Series. It's the, the you know bottom of the ninth, and you got to get this guy out. And you can't. And I can't accept no from an answer from you. So, I mean, this was Mission Impossible. Uh, we, but it was the flexibility of mind, the flexibility of thought, the support that we got uh, that actually made it all possible. And it was the hard work of the men and women on the ground that they, that allowed this thing to happen. We want to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, though, I'm interested in your perspective as to how you see during this time and now um, what the perception is internationally of Canada's military, their participation in NATO, as well as what that perception is for Canadians as to what we're doing with NATO. Major General retired David Fraser joining us in studio this afternoon, penned uh, a new book. Operation Medusa, the furious battle that saved Afghanistan from the Taliban. And I'll be honest with you, it's a tough read. It's a tough read. You want to get to the battle part, but you even you say in the book, you can skip ahead if you want, but no, you read the whole lead up to it. Um, but it, it's a tough read, and, and part of that tough read is uh, the losses that were staying, uh, sustained during Operation Medusa. And certainly during 2006 in Afghanistan, it was a brutal year for for um, Canadian soldiers there, um, what was it, uh, 36 soldiers that were killed between uh, February and November, a number of them based right here in Edmonton. For you as leader, that still, I know, weighs heavy. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, the cover of the book itself, I mean, it's got a silhouette of a helicopter taken off and four soldiers standing there, and that was the 21st of April. Uh, the 22nd, two of those four were killed. Yeah. Uh, Randy Payne and Matt Dinning, you know, two policemen who were my protection party. And, you know, you know, every loss there was, was personal and it was hard. But when you actually, the, it's your own team and I lost four that day. Uh, I knew them all, uh, Rick Turner and uh, Bombardier Mansell. I mean, you know, that really cuts home. And every decision that I made to send a man and woman outside of the wire, you know, you know, it was t it was twofold. One is that you know you're talking about sending somebody out and having them prepared to kill somebody else, but 
ultimately, you're also sending your own people out to get killed. And you can't change that. And, and you know, those are hard decisions. And you talk about the loneliness of command. And so, I mean, there's a whole chapter about weep. And I wrote every soldier, sailor, airman, airwoman who was killed over there of the nine nations. Anyone who was killed got a letter from me, um, got a picture of me and the uh, divisional sergeant major, uh, a flag of their country, it's, uh, passing on our condolences because, you know, these men and women had their lives taken, not they gave their lives up, they had them taken. And then I wrote every family when I uh, came home to ask to, to pay my personal condolences, half accepted it, and I said, I'll answer any question you want. Much like the book is brutally honest. I mean, the other thing is, you've paid the ultimate sacrifice, you are old, uh, you know, decisions. By the way, there is no classified stuff in this book, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. I was very careful about that, no, no giving away of techniques. Uh, to, to talk to those families was grueling. and um, But what we also found out by talking to the families, there were two families that were about to lose their homes. Yeah. And because of that, of the war exclusion clause, uh, I went to Toronto and I didn't ask for permission. I just said, I'm going to talk to every bank and every insurance company. And they changed the, the laws for the RCMP and the King Forces because of what we found out, uh, which I think is a great Canadian story too, of how Canadians take care of other Canadians. But the sacrifice of the 30, 36 during my time, the 162 Canadians over the 12 years we were there, um, it's, it's, you know, words fail me because, I mean, that is just, that's the weight of what this mission meant. So in your opinion then, in general, uh, in a general overview, what is our role in NATO? How does NATO perceive that role? What do you think the role should be? <laughs> and do you think uh, Canadians understand what our role is? Well, let's just start at the top here. I mean, we wrote this book so the Canadians could understand what happened then and why things actually happened, put things into context, because, you know, Canadians have a right to know what, what's going on with their men and women and what, what decisions are made. Number two, at the time... The Americans principally did not believe we had the political stomach to do this mission. They certainly did not believe we had the military capability to do this because we had not been in combat for many years. Uh, we proved them wrong. And it was, a, and I think we surprised them at doing that and at the whole of government approach that we had. And I will say that Ottawa took some time to, come, you know, kind of ramp up to the same speed as the men and women on the ground were doing. And I'm talking about all the men and women, you know, in all the government departments who were just Christina Green, a superstar in my world, Pamela Eosfeld, another superstar, Foreign Affairs, CETA. These, we were just pounding away doing great stuff. But strategically it took longer to get there but the americans didn't didn't believe us but when we did medusa and i gotta give you a quick story about craig hilton a good friend of mine was in the united states at the time at their war college and the chief of staff of the pentagon uh walked into the room one day and he said any canadians in the room <laughs> and so craig put up his hand sheepishly because like oh my god a three-star general he said i just read about what you guys and gals did over medusa and i want to come over here and shake your wow. hand I'm so friggin' impressed because we didn't know you guys had it in you. And, uh, wow, you spilt blood with us. You did the impossible. You're okay in our in our world. I got the same reaction when I went down to the Australia with the vice chief of the defense staff. Like, he said, we stopped following you guys. You, you were irrelevant. And, like, where the hell did you guys come from? You come onto the stage and you hit a home run and you, you have a hit song. I mean, like, we don't... We don't see this any day, and you guys have just blown us out of the water. Like, what are you guys drinking up there? We've got to have some of that. So, I mean, it, it really was a surprise 
it opened up so many opportunities and conversations, not military, economic ones. We are a significant player when we want to be. And I think that what we learned there 12 years ago, I think, is as germane today. When we look at Mali and the UN and we look at NATO, we have a significant contribution, but we have to put the whole of government approach to it and make it happen. Just quickly before you leave, you brought up Mali. I have to ask you um, a little bit more in depth. Your, your thoughts on on that mission and and getting back into peacekeeping? Okay, well, there's two 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 elements of it. There's the politics. Uh, and politicians tell us where to go, and then there's the actual uh, forces that go in there. Providing hope and opportunity to the men and women of Mali is something the Canadians have always done. It's part of the UN Charter. This is what Canada does. How we're going about doing it, I, you know, I love the fact that we're doing something. It seems very penny-packed. I think we can do even more if we put it into a coherent package that has mass so we put our c-130 together we put our helicopters together the qrf together the lc initiative the child soldier put that together put a canadian on top of it you great strategic force and then you know next thing you know you have the same impact that we had like coming out of afghanistan major general david fraser joining us this afternoon gosh i could talk to you for another half an hour i know you have to get going uh the book again the furious battle that saved afghanistan from the taliban operation medusa thank you for your time this afternoon sir it's my pleasure thank you the 6:30 chad afternoon news with jaylen nye and andrew gross weekdays at 2 on 6:30 chad